Hi, I'm Hallie, and I'm here to welcome you to The Odd Life, that's spelled A-W-E-D, which stands for Awake, Well, and Empowered. You see, I feel that women who are living odd have such important stories that need to be heard so they can inspire us to find our own oddness. I want this to be a space where you come to laugh, cry, feel inspired, and most of all, feel more connected to yourself and the women in this odd life community. I'll be talking with women who are practitioners, authors, experts, entrepreneurs, creatives, coaches, philanthropists, and so many more, as well as doing solo casts to bring you what you need when you need it. No matter where you are on your journey in this life, why not go through it odd AF? Again, I'm your host, Hallie, and this is the Odd Life Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Odd Life Podcast. Hope you're well. What's going on? I just want to say a quick thank you to those of you who have said something to me like, hey, my wife is listening to your podcast or you're listening to a podcast episode and the feedback you've given. It's just been so great to hear hear from you all. So thank you for letting me know that you're listening and I'm not speaking into the void of uh, space in podcast land. Um, I'm coming to you from my daughter's apartment. We just moved her in this week, last, last weekend, and I'm staying for the week to help her out and get some things done. And we go shop after she gets done with work and we get some little things put away and get organized. And it's been kind of fun to get back to, I don't know, that life of having in a little apartment. So when she's gone all day, I'm like getting stuff ready for the podcast and, you know, thinking around her, her, uh, apartment doing stuff. So it's been kind of fun. Uh, my husband texted me and he's like, so how do you like living in your apartment. Like, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. I miss these days. I do and I don't. I don't miss the the noise around you. You may hear, speaking of that, you may hear a dog bark in the background. It's not my dog. It's the neighbor's dog. So the downside of apartment living. Anyway, to get back to what we're doing today. Today is episode 11 when we are going back to uh, our book series, books that will change your life. And this is part three And the book we're going to discuss today is Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, How to Lose Your Mind and Create a New One by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And uh, I read this book last year and it was at the consistent appearance of his name again. Like I said, I always seem to find these books because they keep popping up in in recommendations, you know, whether it's an Instagram post or something, but I happen to be doing a... um, a workshop or an online kind of course. And it actually was with my friend, Katie Denouden, the one that was on my podcast uh, kind of a few episodes ago. And she had this course about um, kind of tapping into intuition and manifestation and, and using some tools to help create the life that I love and want and things that I want in my life. And she mentioned Joe Dispenza's book quite a bit in that course, and I'd seen it since. And so I'm finally going to buy this damn book. So who Joe Dispenza is, um, he has studied biochemistry at Rutgers. He holds a Bachelor of Science with emphasis in neuroscience, and he's earned a doctorate of chiropractic. Uh, since then, he's received postgraduate training and continuing education in neurology, neuroscience, brain function, and chemistry cellular biology, memory formation, aging, longevity, all of those things. So everything he does is heavily based in science, which is great. Um, 
And this forward of the book, I didn't realize this, was written by Dr. Amen. At the time, I didn't know who Dr. Amen was. And Dr. Amen is, if you are at all following any health and wellness people, or that's kind of your jam on Instagram or anything else or on YouTube, Dr. Amen is big on TikTok and, and Instagram on his reels. He is the guy that does all the brain scans and shares what they look like and what can be the cause of some like inactivity or dysfunction and whatnot. So he has written the foreword of this book. So clearly it's endorsed by a psychotherapist. I think he's a psychotherapist. Uh, so yeah, I didn't realize that till I kind of went back and looked at this book again to, to do this podcast episode. I was like, oh, that's funny that I didn't recognize who that was when I first read this book. And now I know him from social media. But just to give you a little bit more about Dr. Joe Dispenza, he actually has a, I think where all this started for him, creating these books and doing what he's doing and sharing this information came from his own healing story, which is pretty remarkable. I think it was, um, I want to say it was a podcast episode, but it's also have, it has video. Maybe it was Tim Ferriss that had him on and I watched the video and heard the story because he doesn't share it in the book. I'm pretty sure I looked through the whole book. I didn't find it, but his own healing story is pretty remarkable. He had a cycling accident. He was training, I believe, for a triathlon. In the cycling portion of this, he was 23 years old. He got hit by a car. And the impact of that compressed six of his vertebrae. It broke his back in four places and left shattered bone fragments in his spinal cord. So they said his best option was surgery, which I guess is called this Harrington rod procedure, where they fuse the spine with a rod all the way from like the base of the the, the spine to the neck. So it's kind of a crazy procedure which I guess is super long and painful recovery to do that surgery. And even then with that kind of surgery, and I guess with the best possible outcome, his odds of walking again were really, really slim. He said the power that made the body heals the body. And he decided to, to turn down the surgery. He wanted to see if he could help his body heal on its own. So what he told himself he was going to do, he was going to spend three plus hours a day mentally reconstructing his spine vertebrae by vertebrae. But when he was trying to do that, he said he would go back and forth between like despair about being in a wheelchair wheelchair, and, you know, kind of mentally derailing himself. He says he got, went through that for six weeks, frustrated he couldn't get his mind to stay focused on what he needed to do, but then he stuck with it. And when he hit that six weeks mark, he started to really get into a groove. He would sit there for three hours a day and do this practice. And in his mind, he was helping heal his spine by picturing it coming together, fusing back together the way it was supposed to be and picturing it healthy. And so he did this in a way that he said he, it, it felt like he had hit a sweet spot of a tennis ball. He said he started noticing significant changes in his body. His motor functions began to return. His body began to heal and change. And within 10 weeks, he said he was on his feet again and then walking and getting even stronger. And then finally training again at 12 weeks which is crazy. So he, he made a deal with himself saying, if you ever, if you ever got a chance to walk again, that he would spend the rest of his life studying the mind body connection and that mind over matter phenomenon. That's why he's in the space. He is determined to help others do the same. And when I read that, or I saw that story, I was like, holy moly, that's like just insane about being able to do that. I like, and at first you're going to think that's not true. That can't be true. Um, but there's other stories. He documents this. He does a lot of studies and he helps, he follows people and he'll help share their story in order to basically back up his own story. 
Um, many people have done this training and practice with him and he've healed themselves from cancer and diseases and a lot of other things. So it's not just him. And now he has courses and he has live workshops you can attend and, and he'll go through all this with you and, and help you figure out how to do this. But reading this book is kind of like doing it at home for the most part. And prior to this, like I said, I had done this course with Katie Denowden and it was kind of loosely based on some of the same practices he has. And so this book, it gave me a foundation of understanding it completely because he goes through it very thoroughly of how the brain works, how the body works, and really kind of starts with understanding quantum physics, which sounds super boring and weird, but actually super fascinating. Um, quantum physics is the study of matter and energy at the most fundamental level. Remember those classes we took back in, I don't know, middle school about the atom and all the particles of the atom and you had to figure out how many electrons and this and that, whatever. And we hated it back then. Well, he twisted it to look at this as kind of the foundation for, for how this practice actually works. What they've discovered, quantum physics, what they're saying now is that matter is actually mostly made up of energy, not all the little particles. There's more energy space than particles. If that makes sense. And so quantum physicists have discovered that the person that's observing these tiny particles that make up the atom actually affect their behavior. So where their focus goes, the electron appears. It kind of like bops in and out. And what the conclusion of that is, is that the particle cannot manifest in reality until we observe it. So it's like, it's not there until we look at it, which is pretty wild. And the way we communicate with this, they call it the, the quantum field, which is this um, electromagnetic field and electron field. They both make up this, this quantum field. There's like two parts to it. And we communicate with it through thoughts and feelings. And it's like energy is transferred back and forth. Particles are created, destroyed. This energy kind of comes and goes a lot. So what they're saying in conclusion is that energy responds to mindful attention. If the mind can influence the appearance of an electron, then theoretically it can influence the appearance of any possibility. So this is my first aha, the understanding that I could start seeing things or anything as possible rather than what I was trying to accomplish or do was impossible. Anything was possible. So with willful attention, mindful attention. And I have a deep understanding now of this new information about how this all works and a consistent daily effort. I can use my mind to affect matter or the energy within matter to create a desired experience in my life. That's kind of like a theory I had to understand that my thoughts, my feelings, the energy I have are like signals to this, what they call an invisible intelligence, this electromagnetic field, this quantum field. So how I show up every day, my thoughts, my feelings are reflected back to me from this kind of universal intelligence that's out there, whether it's good or bad. So if I'm showing up each day, you know, let's say I get up and I have a shitty attitude, you know, step my toe on a, on a dresser, or my husband said something annoying and, you know, got mad at him about it. And I don't know, the kiddo got up late again for school and, and didn't get to school on time. Like all of those things 
if I take them in as, oh, this is so annoying and life sucks. And so what kind of day am I going to have? Productive? You know, am I going to be confident? Am I going to have the right attitude going into what I want to create? No, I'm going to have a shitty day. Um, Those things can still happen. We can still stub our toe, but it's how I react to it and how I show up. Sure, it's painful, but then you know what? Move on, let it go. And I have talked about those things with the Untethered Soul book as well. Not letting things drag me down, right? How I tried to wrap my brain around this was that, you know, hey, I create my reality with my energy and I almost pictured a mirror. So whatever I was showing that mirror, it was going to reflect back to me. So if I want to track more good stuff in my life, the things I want to, sh- to happen, I have to show up daily with that kind of energy, the good stuff, whatever, the good vibes, whatever you want to say. Like if I get up first thing in the morning and I meditate, if I journal, if I read something that helps broaden my mind, and then I get in the kitchen, have my lemon water, and I listen to some upbeat, fun music, and I dance in my kitchen, my day starts completely different. My morning routine really helped set me up for that positive energy that I wanted to sh- you know, like share out in the world. I wanted to reflect out there. So understanding the way I started my day really actually affect a lot of the rest of my day. So I started making that really important in my life to create this positive and, and, and not just positive, but just like happy and joyful and just this great energy, but there's obstacles, right? There's big things we have to overcome. There's a lot of things like hurts from our past, or there's limiting beliefs or just the people around us. And so he gets into this and in, in chapter you know, two through four about overcoming our environment, our body and time to create what we want in our life. So he says in the book, if I wanted to be a better person, if I wanted to break the habit of being myself, I had to think greater than the circumstances in my life to be greater than the feelings I had memorized in my body and to live in a new line of time. So he starts out with the environment, like how to overcome our environment. And what the book says is that our brains are equal to our environment. They are a record of our personal past and a reflection of the life we've lived. So a lot of times my, since my brain's basically a record of my past, I was constantly living in the past. Always thinking of shit that's happened to me. Like, oh, yep, sure. Here's this thing again. Reminds me of this time in my life when this happened to me then. And so we stay stuck in the past. Whether it's the things I did, the friendships I had, the actions of other people, choices other people made, how they affected me. And then it kind of dawned on me like this environment can be like a cage if we allow it. It keeps us sheltered and small and afraid and all these other things. You know, when you hang around toxic people, like I know I did, I hung around a lot of toxic people. Everything from just negativity, gossip, bitching about their husbands, um, ragging on, you know, politics, politicians. I mean, that's been going on since God knows when. Um, Everything's just shitty, right? Everything's just too super shitty or they, they, um, or constantly nagging you to do something that's not great for you, or uh, they treat you like shit and then come back and act like they didn't do anything wrong. There's a lot of stuff that's toxic. And uh, also I didn't always live a healthy lifestyle. So whatever it was, it was, you know, 
that wasn't healthy for me, whether it was eating or drinking or watching or listening to things that were not good for me, that all made an impact on me. So in order to create something different than I've gotten used to, I have to change the way I feel and think each day. Because how I had been thinking and feeling all my life is what got me to where I am, where I didn't like where I was. So I had to switch all that up. It's like you said, I had to think greater than my circumstances. I know a lot of athletes do this, a lot of professional, you know, people in high, let's say people in high profile positions. That's why visualization is so, so important because what's going on around you can't be what you focus on. This visualization, I started thinking about my higher self, like who I wanted to be. And then what I have to do is emulate that version of me. Like, okay, in a situation, how would my higher self show up right here? What would she say? What would she do? And then you do those things now. Because a lot of times, let's say that toxic person's in your life and they're saying these negative things and they're trying to drag you down rather than joining in like you used to, or yep, I totally agree. And you go down your bitching rant as well. You stop and you think, okay, what's my higher self going to do here? We're going to be silent. We're going to change the subject and not allow this to continue. Uh, Or we don't hang out with those people anymore. Like my higher self would not choose to hang out with this person. The things I started doing differently, like I said, I'd said no to those things, those people. I started changing what I listened to, um, who I looked up to. And again, I read this book last year and I started these principles a couple of years prior back in 2020. So I was really, I had done some of the stuff when I hit 40, I had started to kind of pull back from people. It wasn't consistent. It wasn't something that was part of who I was. It wasn't something that was part of the way I showed up in the world. And like, it was something I knew I had to do for myself, but I didn't know the why or how to like make it stick. So I think this course with Katie and then this book really is what kind of shut the door on all that for good. And that's why I think I have been feeling really alone or lonely, I should say, uh, the last few years because I've cut a lot of that toxicity out and I haven't replaced it yet. Um, and I do know that I have found wonderful people online through Instagram, through courses, through a lot of things that I have, I have worked on trying to spend more time communicating with those kind of people, engaging with them, whatnot, still they're not in my physical space every day, but I can do my best to foster a relationship or use that as what I take in and not be around people just to be around people because then I'm not getting what I need out of that. Um, and I think about like people like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. And you think about Joan of Arc and Gandhi and Oprah and all these people that had horrible situations that they had to live through and conditions they had to live in, but they rose up and became such different people than their environment, right? They rose out of their environment. They were able to become who they wanted to become regardless of the situation. And I think it's really the same principle. They had a dream, they had to believe in themselves and they had to tune out what was in their environment and not let it impact them overcoming the body. This is the second part of this trifecta he mentions is we have this loop of thinking and feeling and then feeling and thinking thoughts produce chemical reactions, which make us feel stuff. And then it creates this loop because then 
it creates more thoughts based on how we feel. So again, it's thoughts create feelings and then the way we're feeling can create thoughts, which is why sometimes it's such hard to get out of like a big anxiety downward spiral or depression because your, your feelings, you know, you're, you're thinking I've lost my job and then you feel sad and then you're sad because you don't have a job, you know, and this keeps going back and forth and it's just this big circle. And what he says is that we have the state of being, which is kind of the secret sauce. Like we have memorized a state of being for so long through our thoughts and feelings that it's now part of our subconscious. Just like the things we do in autopilot every day. We do, we drive a car, we go for a walk. We don't think about putting one foot in front of the other. We just do it. We brush our teeth. We're not thinking about, oh, scrub 14 times this way, 14 times this way. We just do it. So a lot of times us worrying about the future, judging other people, complaining about our lives, not believing in ourselves, whatever. It's the same thing. It's this automatic response because we've done it for so long. It's part of our subconscious. And this is where we have to dig into is a subconscious because we can tell ourselves all the positive affirmations and, hey, you got this today, whatever. You can say those things like to yourself physically out loud if you want to, but you can't overcome subconscious negative feelings. And when we're in this, you know, a stressed or anxious or, you know, got low self-confidence, you've got anger, you're feeling unworthy. This is a low level state of being. And this actually is what keeps pushing these genetic buttons. We have like smoke, like, so we smoke cigarettes, drinking alcohol, sedentary lifestyle, chronic stress. Those are all things that you're doing damage to your body. But those other things too, being stressed and anxious and have low self-confidence, all that you're doing the same thing. And actually it's those, that mental, those low level states of being are what can create illness and disease. It's kind of why, you know, you hear the story of this gal's like 99 years old and people ask her, what's your secret to life? And she's like, oh, I have a shot of whiskey every day, you know? And you're like, what the hell? Or she smokes a pack of cigarettes every day and doesn't affect her. But maybe she's got this fantastic like frame of mind about life. She's like happy every day. She's walking around her garden and she's planting flowers and she's appreciative. Like there's a lot of stuff we can actually overcome in our body with a different state of being, regardless of what we do sometimes physically, even though I'm eating healthy and, you know, exercising and whatever, unless I have a higher vibration or a higher level, you know, of the way I am every day, I still may cause myself harm physically. Um, and there's a whole thing about going in like epigenetics and how they do a study of twins and that's why when I mean, they've got the same genes, but they live in different places. Maybe they have different attitudes about life, different things are happening. And then one gets sick and one doesn't. I mean, if you look at, if you're trying to tie it back to genetics and say, oh, well, that's part of their genes, that doesn't hold up in that situation because these twins have the same exact genetic makeup. So environment makes a huge impact on the, on the body and, and, and how we are and our demeanor and all those kinds of things. Again, part of the overcoming process. And we'll get into that here in a second. But, and then there's the part about overcoming time. And I was like, how does that make sense? Overcoming time. What in the hell does that mean? So he says, in the present, all potentials exist simultaneously in the field. It means the quantum field, electromagnetic field, whatever. When we stay present, 
We are in the moment. We can move beyond space and time and we can make any one of those potentials a reality. But if we're stuck in the past, none of those potentials can exist. And that really hit home for me. I was like, oh my gosh, I have lived so much of my life thinking about all this shit that happened to me in the past. The things I did, the things I said, things people said to me, the hurt that was done to me, trauma I had from growing up, just stuff. I could not actually live in the moment when I'm constantly stuck in the past. I realized how much of the past I used to frame the way I thought about my life. Because I, a lot of times I would anticipate a negative future experience. Like my marriage is going to fail. I'm never going to find my purpose. I'm not going to have financial independence ever. No one's going to buy this thing from me. No one's going to participate in this event with me. You know, this online program, whatever I had going on at the time, I was always predicting this negative future experience. I was constantly thinking about a worst case scenario because it was based on memories from my past. We are projecting our past into the future. So there's no, there's no wonder that we, things don't work out our way. We already doomed ourselves. Like, oh, well, this always happens to me this way. This is what's going to happen in the future. Well, if you constantly show up like that, guess what's going to happen? All the shit that you're thinking about. So in order to change the present, it was almost like I had to obsess about a future that I wanted. Something good. Um, like this podcast, honestly, I started doing some visualization. I was thinking, I was kind of trying to dream for myself and what is it that I want and what do I want to create my life? And this podcast kind of dropped in and, and was like, you know, I was doing some things on Instagram. I was doing these Instagram lives and I was loving the conversations we were having, but that felt safe and that felt doable. And, um, doing a podcast initially did not feel like I could do that because that was for people that had bigger lives and had more followers and more, you know, I don't know, more of a presence or more of a platform. But it stuck with me. And I felt like, well, I'm, I'm kind of doing this on Instagram already. It just, I can take it off Instagram and put it on a podcast. I love this conversation. I love talking to these people. And I knew why I was wanting to do this. I wanted to share these wonderful women that I had found that are living odd, awake, well, and empowered, and share them with the world. Share them with people that were, you know, paying attention. Rather than doom myself, I use this, what I learned from this book, rather than doom myself, like, oh, no one's going to listen. Oh, it's going to fail. I'm going to, like, I'll do a few episodes and I'm going to run out of guests. And this book really was like that kind of the catalyst, like, okay, what would it feel like for you to produce this podcast? And it would feel empowering. And I would think about, okay, well, what would it feel like to invite guests and them saying yes? Like, oh, that would feel so joyful and amazing. What would it feel like if I chatted with the guests? Like, what would it feel like actually doing the recording of the podcast? It would feel like such a great emotional connection and, and understanding and feel like an act of service. What would it feel like when I edited or created the graphics for the, the podcast? It would feel creative. I would feel um, like I was using my gifts. Then what would it feel like if I actually pushed the you know, publish button on the podcast and sent it out to the world? I would feel happy and I'd feel proud. 
So all of these are elevated emotions that I had to imagine right now before doing it. So my mind could start to rewire and believe that this podcast was already happening. So when I meditated, I would, you know, initially meditate, right. And calm myself and calm all the thoughts and kind of wipe the slate clean. And then I would visualize, um, this podcast, I would visualize me going through the whole thing and feeling those emotions, all the ones I just described to you. And then I would go about my day and my body would already like, I'm at this high level and that's how it overcame time is because it's the body and the mind are thinking it's already happening because she's already feeling this way. So that's what he says about overcoming time. Like you act as if the thing is already here because you were imagining yourself feeling the way that you would feel if that happened to you. But there are some roadblocks. Um, we have a lot of times limiting beliefs. It's really hard to get past things of feeling unworthy or, you know, not having a lot of confidence or whatever the thing is. Um, maybe you've got a lot of self-conscious thoughts about your body or the way you look, or, um, maybe your lack of education. I don't know. There's a lot of things we can really hitch our wagon to. A lot of that stuff is what kept me from changing. I had always had these dreams of things I wanted to do, but then I, it just seemed like these, these beliefs I had about myself were just so debilitating. I would either get stuck before I even started or I'd start and then pull back. Cause like I'd have all this doubt that would come up. And what I had learned was actually through Katie's program. And this, this book really is a, a guide that I could go to, to refresh myself. And he talks a lot about the same, um, kind of the same principles of what to do. And so I learned to, again, this goes back to that subconscious. Like we can only go so far because if we, if our subconscious believes that we're shitty we're, you know, horrible with money or we're, uh, doomed in relationships, all these different things that we've memorized those feelings so much that they're in our subconscious, we have to excavate those things. We have to work those out. And he goes through this book towards the end of how to go through this, but basically in a nutshell, um, and I'll explain it the way I learned it from Katie. And he goes through it in this book almost the same way, a little bit different, but what I learned to do, it's like a limiting belief exercise. You write down, you know, what's the limiting belief I have? What's something that I believe about myself that honestly isn't true? How does it affect me? What do I say? What do I do in that moment? So I have to recognize the behaviors and the things that I say and do. So that pulls it from the subconscious. Like if you can recognize it and identify it, you're kind of starting to make that separation between who you think you are and just something that you do or something that you believed. And um, the next part of this is to kind of really examine where did this thing come from? Like, where does limiting belief come from? If you can go back to think about an exact moment in time, what is it that sparked this whole thing in the beginning? And I'm gonna give you an example from my childhood. It's actually pretty painful. Um, but I'm just gonna tell you because it's important for you to understand. So I had a big limiting belief about feeling unworthiness, unloved, um, feeling like my needs don't matter. And for a long time in my marriage, I ended up putting other people's needs first, but I was bitter as hell that mine weren't considered. 
that kind of stuff. Um, or I would sacrifice what I wanted for the sake of just like, oh, no one cares, whatever. And I look back at this and through this exercise, I really look back to a time I used to get my migraines as a kid. And I really wasn't reminded of this until a friend of mine mentioned it. I thought my sister was with me, but it's my best friend was with me. She's over for a sleepover. I have no idea how old I was, maybe seven, maybe eight. Oh no. Let's think. I'm thinking like third or fourth grade, someplace in there. I have zero clue how old you are in third or fourth grade, but someplace in that ballpark. And she was over for a sleepover and I used to get migraines. I, they were usually food triggered, you know, things like that. And I was going through my migraines and one of those migraines I had to have complete silence and darkness and uh, coolness. Like I usually had to have a cool rag on my head. And at that time, my father was um, an alcoholic. And so he was going through a time when he was not coming home a lot. He was going to the bars after, after work. And then he would come home. He would lie to my mom about where he was. And so my mom, I think, had been finally fed up. So she got me up put us in the car and drove over to the place where she knew he'd probably would be so she could see his car in the parking lot of the bar. So when he came home, she could say, I saw your car. Don't lie to me, basically. But I had a huge migraine and I was miserable. And I remember peeking over the seat to look at where we were going and what was going on. Because I'm sure I heard my mom complaining and bitching and crying and who knows what. And I think in that moment is where I felt like I have a migraine. Here I am in the back of a car trying to track down my drunk dad. And this does not feel like a loving gesture to me. And therefore that's where I believe a lot of my not worthy of other people's care and love came from. And no hate, no shame, my mom and shit was bad. She was trying to get through life. Um, it is what it is. We go through this visualization process. We have to excavate that stuff. So I had to really sit down and journal like, okay, what's actually true? Am I worthy of love? Yes. And I had to go back in that memory and look at it like a movie and see it like, and see it separate myself from it. Right. And ask myself, what did I need most in that moment? What did I, what did I need to know? How did I need to feel? What did I need to experience from this person, this experience, this whatever to be able, in order to be true to myself, in order to like acknowledge who I truly was and that I was worthy of all these things. And what I would do is I would show up as my higher self. Like I would have like my highest version of myself going, I, like I said, I picture it as a movie. I go and I picture myself talking to myself as that little third, fourth grader saying, I love you. I've always loved you. I've always been for here for you. You are wonderful. I'm sorry you were suffering. Right. And I would visualize that higher self hugging her. And that's super powerful. I used to, I did this a couple of times in my like energy healing sessions I had with Jen Suzuki and I'm just bawling because my higher self is telling my younger self, I've always been here for you. You were never alone. I've always loved you. You are loved. 
you are wonderful. You are worth caring for. Your needs matter. And saying all those things, like those are actually truth wor- true words. And the more I kept doing this during that visualization process, so I would do a gratitude um, list and then I would visualize. And he says at the back of this book, he talks about how to get yourself ready for this visualization process, but it's visualizing yourself in kind of in time and space. And I'm going to put this out there. I'm not a huge fan of the way he does meditation. As far as the way, he, if you go online and you Google Joe Dispenza meditation and you listen to him guiding you, I don't like his voice. I don't think it's weird. It sounds cuckoo, a little creepy actually. So if you can find a version of like what he trains in the back of the book, if you can find somebody else doing it, like a different voice and a different way of presenting it, much better. So this is what kind of what Katie did for me is that her program actually uh, reframed it and I much read, listen to her voice and how she guides me rather than Joe Dispenza. I'm sorry, Joe. It's just weird. It's kind of cuckoo. And you've listened to it. You're going to go, oh, I know exactly what you're saying. So I had to constantly um, revisit that limiting belief vision I had, that triggering moment, visualize it happening differently visualizing getting what I needed. And then you go through this, like you release the process, you release it and you say, I'm giving this up. I'm giving this, this limiting belief away. This is no longer true. This is what I know is true. And you tell you all the things I am lovable. I am worthy of people's attention and care. I am, you know, whatever that your thing is. And you tell yourself, I forgive you for holding on to this. You say, I'm sorry you've been carrying this on for so long. Thank you for the lessons you've you've taught me along the way from all this stuff. And then I love you. And that's your way of releasing it. And you do that over and over again. And then you go into this visualization of what you want in life. So you go through gratitude. You find yourself in a space. I forgot to mention this. Okay. So yeah, Joe Dispenza's meditation sucks. The way he guides it, don't like it. So finding a different way to, the whole point is to get yourself into a state of being. So remember I mentioned earlier is that the state of being to be in is this elevated state of being in order to attract what you want in life. So to get there though, it's really important. So if you do gratitude, imagine how you feel when you give gratitude. Okay. I'm writing down the things I loved this morning. I had a um, lovely warm mug of tea and I like the way it felt like the way it felt in my hand, you know, whatever, like you have to go to a place where the things that you loved about your day or that you appreciate in your life, it's not like saying, Oh, I'm so glad I'm healthy. My kids are healthy. I'm grateful for, you know, uh, my job. You're going down to like micro level because it's important to excavate a feeling. So you excavate a feeling of the coziness of this warm mug of tea in my hand and the sun is shining in through the window on my face, that feeling. And then you write about the hug you got from your teenager before he left for school. It felt so good, right? That feeling you can't like, it's almost like you can't describe it in words. You just feel that feeling again as you're writing this down. And so by putting this gratitude list together, you were creating this all of a sudden, these feelings that are coming up, you're elevating your state of being. And then you do a visualization, like a a meditation where maybe you visualize a light flowing into your body and it's tingling all of your cells. They're waking up. You're feeling this kind of energy flow. 
a lot of times breath work is really great for this. And breath work, if you know what I'm talking about, it's the um, breathing in and out through your mouth. And it creates this big time energy in your body. It's like, (sighs) you breathe in twice, like once in your chest, once in your stomach, and then you breathe it all out. And you find a rhythm, you kind of start slow, then you go faster and faster. And it lights all of your cells on fire. And if you had a gratitude list that you wrote out and and you embodying that gratitude list, and then you do the breath work, watch out. I'm telling you, it's insane. And you do that. And then you release your, you know, your, your limiting belief, whatever that is. And you may get through a limiting belief and you may, uh, like get through it. You're like, okay, this no longer bothers me. I don't longer, I no longer believe this about myself. And then you move on to something else. Maybe there's something else about your marriage that is a limiting belief. Move on to that. The next thing, whatever, whatever maybe is standing in the way of the thing that you want, that would be a place to start. So for me, it was the podcast and I didn't feel worthy of people's attention. I didn't feel worthy of love. I didn't feel like I, like, I just didn't feel like I had anything to offer because of feeling invisible in my life when I was younger. So, uh, that's where I started because I really wanted this podcast to happen, but I no longer have to do that limiting belief part because I don't believe that anymore. Like it's not something I like, so this practice, it's a practice going through this. So I go through the limiting belief, you know, my higher self visiting my younger self, you know, visualizing my mom behaving different, my dad being home, whatever, something different happening. And having that feeling and what that would have felt like to have that instead. And then I go on to release the limiting belief. And I do my visualization of me seeing myself producing the podcast, creating all the things, inviting guests, them saying, yes, I visualize all that. And that's a process. And if we go through that every single day, eventually we have this higher standard of living for ourselves. We have, we, we are in a higher state of being on a daily basis and we're going to start to see more things come into our life. So that is something that I've been doing with this book and with the teachings I've, I've learned and man, it is such a difference maker. I would come downstairs from my meditation and my visualization and I was like bouncing off the walls. I had never felt lighter in my life. I think I recorded a video and I was dancing my kitchen. I didn't give a shit who I thought I was being dorky and weird. I did not care. I was so freaking happy in that moment and elated and just light that I just wanted to share it. Like this feels so good. And that was because I was doing this process. And so between Katie's teaching and like me understanding it through the book as well, it's totally changed every the way I see things. And now I have tools of what I have a limiting belief that comes up. Okay. How am I going to deal with this? Where do I need to go back to? What's in my past that's bothering me that I need to figure out uh, and fix? And the gratitude and the mindfulness and the retraining of my brain through this process has been so life-giving. And I feel like I have control over what happens in my life. And not in a weird way, but like I can make things come to my into my life. Like this is about manifestation, honestly. And not manifestation, it was like, oh, I think about it, it's going to happen. No, this process and my body and my brain acting as one and believing it is what how, how, is how this all happens. And I no longer have doomsday. I no longer have like, oh my gosh, worst case scenario is always going to happen. 
No, like I don't think that way. And it's not again being Pollyanna or positive, you know, to to be like talks of positivity or talks about. No, it's about really truly believing it because I've done the work. I'm writing the things down that I'm grateful for. I'm feeling those emotions as I prepare myself for meditation and I work on the triggering, you know, those limiting beliefs. What was the trigger? Excavate that, fix that, understand it differently, realize what the truths really are, and then go into my visualization with a higher vibration, with a higher state of being. And boom, things happen. Here I am, episode 11 of my podcast. I have two more guests I'm recording and they're saying yes, and I'm not running out of guests. You know, I'm expecting another person to say yes, and they do. So that's where I'm at. And I really think this is such a great book to really understand, honestly, from a scientific level of what's happening in our bodies and our minds. And that we do have a lot of control uh, and we have a lot of say in what happens in our life. Honestly, sure, things will happen in our life, but why not give it a shot to bring more good stuff in? I don't know anybody that wants to live a life full of just negativity and anger and just worst case scenario. I don't think we actually want that, but that's all that we've ever known because we are living from our past. And if you want to get out of some, some ruts and stuck routines and mindsets that are really hurting you, I highly, highly recommend this book. Again, this is called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. It's in paperback. I'll link it in the show notes of where you can get a copy. Um, I think it's maybe an audio. I'm sure it's on audio. You can listen to it. Um, I have highlighted the shit out of this book. I'm going to buy this for all my children. Uh, I think college is tough for them to to have this because it's already reading a lot of stuff, but it could be a great book for uh, a post-high school, pre-college situation, but it's really a super helpful way to go through life. And I think this should be what our kids learn early on. Because if I had this as something I learned early in my life, I would not have, be, I would be so worried, such a different place in my life. I think this is one of those things, like this is a shit I wish the kids learned in high school. Like, I don't need to know fucking calculus. I'm sorry. Teach me how to overcome my shitty brain and why I think worst case scenario. Teach me that stuff, right? I mean, sure, people, some people love calculus and that's their job and they want to do all the things. Great. I needed to know how to get out of my own damn head. You know what I mean? I highly recommend. And I hope it changes your life like it did mine. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you again for being here. I am so grateful for your time. And if you liked what you heard, please head to where you listen to podcasts, rate and review so we can be found by other people. Please share on Instagram, your social media channels, wherever else you go so we can reach as many people as possible so they can meet these amazing women and hear these conversations. If you'd like to connect further, you can find me over at my website at halliesawyer.com or on Instagram. I'm usually going to be at uh, Hallie underscore Sawyer or The Odd Life, which is this podcast specific Instagram account. All right. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you soon.